tap it in. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network, and sponsored by the one, the only, the best-tasting pre-mixed transfusion on the market for craft cocktails. Got myself Ben, Tyler, Tully, and Colin coming at you today. We're going to start with a little recap from this past week of golf, the Open Championship. What a weekend of golf it was. Cam Smith fires a 30 on the back nine to pretty much tear the Claire jug away from Rory McIlroy's hands. I can tell you I was not a happy camper, but Cam Smith deserved this, man. What a wonderful week of golf for him. A benign St. Andrews, one we're not used to, scoring extremely low, something like 20 guys finished more than 10 under par when there had only maybe been 25 or 30 to ever do it before. So a wonderful weekend of a birdie fest at St. Andrews. We got more to break down from the leaderboard and other great stories from this past weekend. And then wrapping up the PGA and LPGA tour from this past week, Ches Reevy takes home the Barracuda Championship, a Stableford scoring event. So zero points for a par, three points for a birdie, lose a point for a bogey. Guys are really going out there trying to make as many birdies as possible. It was a really fun event to watch. And then the women wrap up the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. The team of Lizette Salas and Jennifer Cupcho win in an amazing score of 26 under, a 9 under final round. Jennifer Cupcho continues her dominance on the LPGA Tour and what's looking like and shaping up to be her Player of the Year award to lose. And then last but not least, the big players wrap up their first scramble of the year. I know pretty late into the year for all of us to get together, but we had a great time at the Mark Strine Memorial Golf Tournament up at the links at Gettysburg. The tournament staff put on a great tournament. You can always count on the course staff there too. Our boy Gavin, the head pro up there, we've known him for years. He always does a phenomenal job. We came in third, tied second, but lost a tiebreaker and got third. Shot 15 under. Pretty great weekend. We had a lot of fun. The drinks were flowing, and we'll talk about some of our favorite moments from that tournament. And looking forward to this week, the men compete at the 3 open up in TPC Twin Cities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It won't be Cameron Smith or Cameron Young defending their title this week at the 3M Open. It'll be Cameron Champ. Are we looking to run it back for a second time against a, a pretty mediocre field, but we got some studs like Tony Finau in the field, so it's a good week for lots of these guys to get a PGA Tour win under their belt. And then the LPGA heads across the pond to France this week for the Evian Championship. They're fourth out of five majors in the year. Minji Lee is our defending champion. She'll be looking to notch her second major of the 2022 season after winning the Women's U.S. Open and Pine Needles earlier this year. We also have a red-hot Jennifer Cupcho looking to get a major under her belt in 2022, coming off of a win last week. And then Lexi Thompson, who kind of had the KPMG Women's PGA title snagged out from under her feet. We should expect her to play well this week. So we're looking forward to both of these events this week. Thanks for being here, and let's have a great episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best-tasting and easiest-drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at fourcraftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. A wonderful week at the Royal and Ancient Old Course at St. Andrews. First of all, that's a great name. I know Ken had some thoughts on that. Cam Smith shoots a back 930, six under. I mean, 
And I know the course wasn't playing very hard. St. Andrews really needs the wind to be a challenging course. It's really for us, it would be challenging regardless. But Cam Smooth shooting a 30 coming home, six under, five in a row to start off his back nine, and then birdie in 18. I mean, unbelievable stuff. I was so upset to not see my boy Rory get his win, even though I let Ken take him this week. It was a pretty heartbreaking loss. Rory, pretty uh, astute in his final remarks, you know, not really taking this one on the chin. He's just saying, hey, Cam went out there and played like an absolute baller. He shoots two under bogey-free. Can't be that upset with it. But I want to talk about Cam first. What are your guys' impression? This is the second time we've seen him get this red hot with the players and now the Open. This guy's got it. What do you think? I mean, I was really, really impressed by it. I mean, like we've seen him win now, arguably, you know, three of the biggest tournaments of the year with the won the players, which obviously has a huge field. He also won the Tournament of Champions, which is literally only people that won the previous year and now the open. So like he's clearly showed that he's got it. And like when that putter is going, it is going like, obviously he was draining them from everywhere uh, on Sunday, which is, you know, what led to that victory. Just so we're clear, the tournament of champions in 2023, will have Ches Revy. So actually not that strong of a field, <laughs> but it has people that can win. <laughs> Louis Oosthuizen never played. <laughs> yeah. Ty. Tully to your point is like, it is crazy some of the big tournaments he's won. And like in my mind, it's like I still haven't been giving him credit. Like he's one of those top guys. In my mind, he's one of those guys that just gets hot all the time and can't really hold on. But he's proved me wrong. So like Ben said, six under on the back nine to close it out. And it's like he's definitely rewritten in my mind what type of player he is. He can definitely close this out. We saw it, especially beating Rory. Yeah, and I think a big part of that, why he almost kind of – you feel like, oh, he can get hot, is he doesn't doesn't play as much. Because I was thinking about the whole – like. He has some very high-profile wins, as does Scotty, and I think they're probably going to be your two favorites for player of the year at this point. But he's played on only 16 events versus 22 for, like, a Scotty Scheffler. So he doesn't play as much. Maybe that's being, you know, from Australia. He's a lot kind of, of travel. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with that aspect of it. But he, we don't see him as often, but he's still, you know, winning at a pretty impressive clip. I think the theme this year, especially in the majors, have been guys who can get hot and close it out on Sunday. I mean, Cam fires, what, a 30 on the back nine this week. We saw JT earlier this year in the PGA Championship. We saw Rory almost come back and win it at Augusta. I mean, these guys who can turn it on, like Cam, make all these putts on the back nine and get it done on Sunday, just end up closing it out in the biggest stages on, in golf right now. I mean, I would kind of argue the opposite point, if I'm being honest, about in the major. You? Uh, yeah. Totally. I'm, argue? I'm just saying. <laughs> like, go the on, people go that on. have won uh, prior to the Open, the the winners of the tournament have shot two under in the round four, three under, and one under in the other three majors this year. So they weren't – the round four didn't really have anything to do with it, I feel like, in a lot of them. Right, but in all of them, they had to close it out on the back nine. They had to get hot on the back nine to finish and win the tournament. Yeah, I mean, JT plays great in a playoff to win the PGA. I think so. You know what You know what really blows my mind is that I guess why major championships are so exciting is because it's really hard to pull away and the field's always so close because we saw Cam Smith play – what I would consider to be highly mediocre golf for 27 holes, his whole third round and his whole front nine on Sunday, he played those in even. And then he goes and shoots 30 on the back nine. Like There were only nine holes left. I thought there was no chance anyone was going to catch Rory knowing that some of the field was going low, but it didn't seem like there were that many birdies out there. And then Rory was just playing really consistent. But for Cam to find five in a row, like five in a row on a championship stage like that is just next level stuff. Yeah, it was unbelievable to watch. It was like you said it was kind of heartbreaking to watch a little bit too because like the storyline was Rory, but it was very impressive to see out of him. And you seem like he seemed very happy to do it, and he knew he kind of played the villain, but he was also just like 
you know, I, I deserve this. This is this is mine. I did this. So it was, I was. I don't, I don't mind seeing Cam win this one. No, I think everyone likes him. I think he's a great guy. I, saying, I think I like it too. You said he played the villain. In my mind, I don't think he played the villain at all. I think it was just an awesome performance by a likable golfer. I never once thought I was like, oh, this is. It's not like. Like right now, if like Bryson came up and won this thing, or if even Phil somehow pulled some magic out, and yeah, won villain it. may be a strong term, but like the story was Rory winning the hundred fifty, the changing <laughs> of the guard, all that. That was the story. That we, it's like in the the for. start of Big Daddy when they ruined the good surprise on Sunday. That's like that's who Cam Smith is. He is Adam Sandler in this situation. But can't uh, Colin, you bring up a great point about you know. Cam's putting performances at the players and then on the back nine uh, at the Open Championship this past week. I mean, these are two, in my mind, I mean, more recent, right? Because we don't have the great golf history, but two of the best putting performances I've ever seen. He picked up over 20 strokes at the players and then made 250 feet of putts in his second round at the Open Championship, finished the week in like the four or 500 foot putting range. Like that's unbelievable stuff. Well, I mean, everyone talks about how big these greens are and how tough like the putting is on the old course. And that second round from Cam was just unbelievable. His, he would, every putt he hit on the live coverage, you just expected it to go in. I mean, he'd be like 60 feet away and over like three humps and it would just come down and go straight in the hole. And then like, let I mean, we can talk about so many other instances on Sunday, but Let's talk about 17th hole where he puts it around that bunker. Oh, that was unbelievable. And we're all texting each other saying, what the heck is he doing? He rolls it right around the bunker, puts it up to what, 15 feet, and then like never a doubt just rolls it straight in. How much confidence do you think he had that he was making that putt for par? It's like he knew he was making it. Unbelievable. I've heard a lot of coverage about the third shot, but I think the fourth shot's more impressive. Like I think Cam knows his putting stroke he can trust it, so I think that that third shot – there's a lot that can go wrong there, but in his mind, he's so laser-focused, it's not going anywhere, but on the green, to get that thing to 15 feet was amazing, but then that putt's so straight, and to be on like that stage, knowing that you got to hit it hard because it's a little uphill, and it's dead straight, and he just can trust his stroke and roll right in, it's amazing stuff. Do you think it's almost was less pressure for him, knowing that he already had the lead at that point, and that it, oh, the worst thing that could happen was he, he has 18, he's going to get another birdie, get back to that same point? And Rory, at worst, he's going into like a playoff kind of situation. I would say that he's aware of that situation, but no, in his mind, he's just he's just seeing everything go in. He sees it go in. He wants it to go in. It's like everything in his being is trying to make that putt. There's no fallback plan for him, and I think that that is what's leading to so much of his success. I mean, I think the thing that we can't recognize on TV about Cam is like how many shots he's hitting so close to the pin, right? It's remarkable how many irons, like 180-yard shots he's hitting to six feet, and you're like – why can't these other guys do that? It's like because you don't realize that if Cam's ball lands three yards short of where it did, it's an automatic bogey, right? And he's hitting shots that just no one else can right now. I'm just – I'm kind of baffled. I'm like – it's kind of like a, a feel-good story, like a Cinderella story. Like when is it going to kind of let up? Because what he's doing right now is unimaginable. So he did come out and say that he was going to, you know, test out the Claire jug for how many beers. It's going fit, to it fit about two beers in it. He, he figured that out, and then he was going to go for 20 Claire jugs. How many do you think he actually got to? I don't know. He looked really hungover in that airport <laughs> interview. I'll give him credit. Like, he looked well put together, but you could just see it You could see eyes. his eyes weren't, weren't all there for sure. But, man, that is that is a dream come true to drink out of that thing. That's got to be so much fun. And it weighs five pounds, and it's, like, not that big. Like, it's yeah. solid. Yeah. So let's talk about the other Cam. Cam Young stealing a second place over Rory. Like Tyler's I mean, new favorite golfer. Yeah. When I saw that MLB patch on his sleeve, I was like, this is my new guy. It's like, I'm the biggest Cam Young fan going forward now. He had to have locked up Rookie of the Year this weekend, right? I would think so. It had to be between him and Sahith going into it. And they both they both came out pretty solid. And then, obviously, uh, Cam Young definitely uh, stole the show. It's crazy. There. I mean, talk about the parody in golf. I, we'd never even heard of this guy coming into the season. And now he's... Second in the Open Championship, he was probably like in contention to win the uh, PGA Championship this year. He's, he's unbelievable. He yeah, hits it like 300 plus off the tee with that 
Hideki Matsuyama tee shot that he has. Yeah, and he's a gamer too. I mean, coming out here and eagling eighteen just to really put the pressure on. It's like that. That was just awesome. It's like where where did he even come from? Like you said, never heard of him before this year. Yeah, so I mean, not not as great of results as I expected. I know we we found him when he was contending, kind of in the PGA, but he he misses the Players Cut, he misses the Masters Cut, he comes T three at the PGA, but then he's also cut at the U.S. Open. So like a little bit of hot and cold for Cam, but I mean, for a rookie, you really can't be upset. But you're right, he's he's that new generation of golfer that is able to hit the ball a mile, but then also like plays that fade. And the fade is the easiest shot to play around a golf course, right? Because you can pretty much eliminate the left side of a golf course. I mean, Cam and Will Zalatoris kind of both do it the same, and that's why these both these guys really performed pretty well in the majors this year. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's definitely hot or cold, but, man, he's got six tournaments where he was either T3 or better without winning. That's rough. That's Zalatoris numbers. That's, right that's rough. I mean, in only six, seven missed cuts in his rookie year, that's not bad. Yeah, not at all. And just a note, that missed cut he had at the U.S. Open, he was making a charge to make that cut. I think he had a hole-in-one on the back nine to kind of miss <laughs> it by one, but he was almost there. He was so far back, and then he almost came back to make the cut. Well, I saw I follow this. I want Instagram count. It's something like ridiculous scorecards or something like that. And, yeah, Cam Young starts around three or four shots back, or maybe five shots back from this cut. He shoots like a seven or six under on the front nine with a hole-in-one and an eagle. And then kind of like, obviously that course is playing really tough at the country club. I think he was like one or two over on the back nine. But, uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy that can take it deep, just like Cam, right? It's kind of like these younger kids. They just have no fear. I love it. Yeah, one last thing I, I do want to say here. Excited we get to see Cam, uh, the winner, in at the President's Cup here this year. That's yeah, really it should be exciting. really. I mean, that President's Cup team is really shaping up with, you know, Mito playing well at the PGA, Joaquin playing well, um, yeah, Cam Smith. I mean, even Leishman played pretty good this week. He was a guy that, like, plays well in Lynx golf because these guys grew up in Australia, kind of like our boys, like Scotty and Jordan in Texas where it's windy and it's very sandy. Um, but, yeah, this President's Cup team for the International is going to be it's going to be a little bit of a problem, especially with, like, some of the turmoil in American golf with no Bryson, no Brooks. Um, DJ. No DJ, right? It's going to be interesting. All right. I think we should go ahead and uh, move forward here with Ben's heartbreak, though, from the week. Do you want, do you want to start us off there about, about your boy, Benny? I can, I can certainly start with Rory. I uh, was really pleased with the way Rory played. I mean, a few weeks ago, I remember making a comment about whoever, you know, if I ever met a JT fan, I would expect us to kind of feel very similar about our favorite golfers because JT and Rory, they have all the shots in the bag. Sometimes you wish they would just hit one. And I was really happy with Rory this week. He really did play like one shot. He pretty much played like a, you know, a high cut for the most of the week. He had a draw when he had to, but I mean... Rory's game seems like it's going in a really amazing direction. He didn't lose like any tee balls this week. There weren't any of those like Jordan's kind of a similar way. Like as soon as they hit it, they know it's like a duck hook off the planet. Didn't see that much from Rory this week. Um, his iron game was great. His short game, like he's really starting to get into that that realm that where Tiger was hitting his prime, where his short game is starting to get to like, it's not like it's not like the best in the world, but it's like it's so consistent and he's pretty much getting up and down from everywhere. So I really like Rory's short game. It's just that putter, man. Like, he I thought putted. you said he's a good putter. He is a great putter, and he actually putted really well this week. His lag putting was amazing, but on Sunday, there's just something about, there was something in his mentality where he was like, I'm going to go out, and I'm not going to lose this golf tournament. And I can appreciate that with a two-shot lead and a Victor Hovland, who's kind of a, a you know. four-shot lead, didn't he? Him and Vic were tied. Yeah, it was, and he had a four-shot lead over the camps. Oh, four right? over the camps. But him and Vic, you know, he knew he had a, a Victor Hovland that was a little inexperienced, so he said, I just need to go out and play consistent golf. So I was okay with his game plan. I was okay with the way he played, but... 
Yeah, the putter, it just didn't seem like any of his putts went, you know, two feet past the hole. They were all rolling an inch or two past the hole. There just wasn't enough aggression for me. Tyler, can you define a lag putt for us? Uh, I believe a lag putt is still a missed putt. Ah, okay, got it, got it. Okay, thank you. The other thing of all of Ben's comments that he was just making one there that I couldn't move past is you said he was only hitting one shot, and I definitely agree with that because he was not hitting any putts. Yep. So he had apparently he has all these shots, but I mean, you, you, your thoughts are lost on me. I know you're trying to you're trying to make a funny point, but it's like Rory is still a world class putter, and he's just like nobody else funny. does I'm it better than him. Facts. As much as like, I want to give Ben a bunch of crap here, I am actually kind of on his side because this was honestly uncharacteristic from Rory this week compared to what we saw in all the other majors because he never actually had a round that he played poorly. All the other majors, he had a over par round or more than one. And still contending them all. His worst finish was eighth, I think, at the PGA. And where in this, he was under par pretty consistently. And going into Sunday's round, they asked like Tiger, "What do like Rory and Vic need to do?" And they, he basically just said, "It was like, don't mess up." Right. And, and like he he just shot a two under to win. They had to at best they had to what go seven under on the day to catch him because he right. had a four shot lead. So. Yep. I mean, it, that that was someone else won the tournament. In this case, Cam Smith, rather than Rory losing it, in my opinion. It just really feels like we're getting into a new decade and kind of realm of golf now where it's like, I mean, and Tiger and Jack won a lot of majors by not messing up on Sunday, by just playing consistent golf. And it just feels like, I mean, I don't know, I'm heartbroken for Rory because I really feel like he should have won. Like he did everything to win, but it's like, Maybe that's just not going to be good enough anymore. You got to go out on Sunday. It doesn't matter how big your lead is. You're going to have to try and take it low. Yeah, and I mean, it was definitely clearly a scorable day because there was a lot of low scores out there. But I, I, I think he definitely played a little too tentative uh, for what the conditions were. It's just that putter, man. I tell you, and Tiger. I mean, I think Tyler. I think the reason I get upset with you is because you're partially right. It's just something about <laughs> Rory that just he doesn't have that killer instinct with the putter sometimes. And like from a technical perspective, like his putter, he hits it off the bottom of his putter when he starts to get a little tentative, and the ball just doesn't roll as pure. But when he's rolling it really well, like that putter comes within like a millimeter of the ground, and he's striking that ball really clean. But if you watch the highlights from Sunday, Rory's hitting like the top half of that equator all day. The thing with me with his putting, and I'm not trying to get on you anymore you're about fine. it, but he had he had. All 18 two putts. I don't even know if that's not good putting, if it's just not aggressive enough. You think some of these guys at this point when he's got to start going after it might hit one five, six feet past the hole and maybe not make it coming back. It's like, show me a three putt. At least show me you're going for it. Yeah, I agree. Not enough aggression. I wouldn't say he probably only left. I don't know. I'm going to give him like two or three putts out on the course. It wasn't like he putted terribly, but there were three putts inside of 15 feet that I think he should have made. I was going to say, so it's 15 footers that like for birdie or not even part like birdie or just like, yeah, those 15 foot putts for birdie. It's like he missed probably two or three of those on Sunday. And that's eventually what cost him the tournament. And they're hitting the lips, like you know, and you want to feel bad for him, but there's also a lot of that's on him. Like it's just not banging him home. He's just got to bang him home and not be afraid of the three footer coming back because I think his short putting is actually really good. I think that's something that used to kind of plague him. Lots of great stars, like Phil. Phil was not a great short putter under pressure, but I think now that Rory's maturing, his short putting looks really good. He's just got to trust it. And Cam coming from behind was had all the confidence in the world hitting those fifteen footers, just yep. banging him made all, everyone all day Sunday. So we got both the cams. Let's talk about the big cat, Tiger. Ugh. Double bogey on the first hole. It hey. kind of set the tone. Guy finishes, what, seven, eight over after two rounds? Nine. Nine. I don't know. I, I honestly wasn't uh, – I just wasn't very impressed with Tiger this week. I think that kind of like mentally it seemed like he just wasn't all there. Um, he was certainly hitting the ball long enough. He just wasn't putting himself in the right places, and he knows this course better than anyone. So I was just pretty upset to see Tiger finish the way he did. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if anyone listened last week, they know I picked him. And so it was it was really heartbreaking for me to see it. And it but it, 
that first hole really set the whole tone. Like, as soon as the ball ended up in that divot, it was like, oh, this isn't going to be Tiger's week. And then he, he hits it and just, like, two hops right into the, the Swilkin burn or whatever it's called. And it was just like, ugh. It was so heartbreaking to see. But it was also, like, good till still to see him out there because he, as much as, yeah, he got frustrated, you know, Ben's called, oh, we're going to see him start limping or wincing and all that kind of stuff. He didn't do any of that. He, he, he played through and just didn't play well. And he did come back, you know, the next day and shot only one over, I think. So he did show he still has something in there. Just obviously that first day didn't didn't go too well. Before we move on from that, can we talk about how hard it is to hit out of a divot? Like what that means to our listeners that maybe aren't in tune with what that ha- what what happens when you're in a divot? Yeah, I mean, so the, the you know the ball's sitting underneath the level of the turf. So the keys for a pro would be to put the ball back to kind of abbreviate your follow through, making sure that you're hitting ball first. Um, in a lot of in a lot of cases, you don't want to make a full swing, right? You want to take a club that's like a club extra and kind of punch at it. And in Tiger's instance, he was 100 yards out, and I don't think he took more than maybe a gap wedge, which would probably be like his 115 club. I probably would have preferred to see him hit some kind of little punchy, spinny pitching wedge left and long of the pin. I mean, obviously he would have too, but to see him make like that wasn't just a bad break. That was a bad shot and a bad mental error on his case, and I think that that kind of just set the tone for him. The thing for me for Tiger this week was it really never seemed like he was in it that much it's like i feel like he was stuck up with the nostalgia of it all it's like you heard him earlier in the year when he was playing it's like yeah i think i can go out and win this thing i agree and this this week he was like this might be the last time i get to play this i didn't hear that from it you're right it was just a complete different mood change and it's like that's not the tiger we all grew to love granted yeah we're always going to tune in to watch him but it's just like it it didn't quite feel the same it's like yeah tully you said you picked him this week it's like i feel like he never even thought that he could really win this week where it's early on he He's in this comeback. He was like, "Yeah, I, I still got. It. I can win." And this week, I just never got that. I think it's a good point, right? Because a guy played at Southern Hills, of course, that he doesn't know very well, right? He came a week early and saw it, but guy grinded to make the cut, grinded on Saturday, and then eventually had to pull himself out of the tournament. But you're right; it just didn't seem. I know he got to this course early this week. He was kind of trying to take it easy, but something about that made me think like the Tiger I know doesn't take it easy. He's just going to keep with his normal practice plan. He's not going to try and do anything fancy. And yeah, he just didn't didn't seem to have that kind of that Tiger esque feeling to him this week. We also skipped the U.S. Open to prepare for this tournament, right? right? Yes, but see, I I, I kind of feel the opposite way because he did play a lot of golf going into this. Like we talked about it last week, he played every day pretty much leading up to it, which in itself could have maybe kind of led to some of the issues where he played too much golf, arguably. But I think he it's just something I think he maybe did get caught up in the more of the spectacle of it potentially rather than he didn't actually think he could win. Cause I, I did see quotes where he said, no, I'm here cause I do think I have the ability and I do think he like the weather and everything did still fit him. It just, you know, I, the bounces didn't go his way. I think I saw some quote about the old course in general. It was like, there are no bad bounces. They're just bounces. And it's just because of how that links course plays, how it is, it's just things can just go horribly wrong. And obviously I think we did though, see him at the same time, his the ball like it wasn't as piercing you know it was just kind of like falling away you know that kind of stuff where i think it's just that that age that that leg kind of thing does definitely come into play yeah you talk about the bounces i think tiger knows where all the bounces are going to go on that course which is why it was so surprising to see him miss it in so many wrong places this week and that's what eventually costed him he was flying off the tee it was his approach shots it was his chips he just wasn't leaving himself in good places which is so shocking to see tiger do that at the old course 
Do you, just out of curiosity, do you think if the weather had been worse, he would have fared better? No, I think it would have no. been worse. That was going to be my comment is that I think the reason why Lynx Golf is so captivating is that maybe not even the viewer can recognize it, but the players know that when the conditions in the course get hard, that it actually exposes your weaknesses even more. And I think that that was pretty much the case for Tiger this week is that he just didn't come in with the tool bag he needed to play well at this tournament. So I think that the course, you know, getting a, a bad bounce here and there and all that stuff kind of gets to you and it really puts the pressure on what I think he's doing extremely poorly right now and that's his putting right you have to putt well at the old course because you're going to have a ton of 15 20 footers for par all week well yeah i think that's a great point we talk about that first hole here he was in a divot he made a bad decision he comes back he almost holds his chip for par but then he misses the what, three, uh, three, yeah, three four five footer yeah. coming back i mean that was just setting the tone for the rest of his weekend there were a couple putts that he just straight up, yeah, three to five feet, and he just kind of didn't even touch the hole. And, and I mean, and a, lot of, a lot of players did that, right? That's what I'm saying is, like, Lynx golf gets in your head so much that the pressure of those putts and the pressure of shots that aren't that hard get to you, and you're right. Seeing Tiger miss it in places that he shouldn't have missed it is probably just ultimately a factor of him just not being as, you know, as prepared as he would have liked to have been. All right, so let's talk about the course. So we talk about all these players, talk about the good bounces, the bad bounces. How did you guys think St. Andrews fared? We had a pretty mild week of weather. Uh, we had Matt Fitzpatrick coming out talking about how he was like pretty unpleased with where these pins were. Um, Matt, someone shot 20 under, so I don't know if your argument's lost yeah. on me or not. I understand they had to make the course a little bit more challenging, but what are your thoughts on the course? I personally loved it. I, like I know it wasn't the traditional open in the sense of uh, you know the wind, the rain, all that kind of stuff, but the course was still playing so fast that we're seeing all these guys hit shots. They, we never see the same. It was still so much different than what we see day or week in and week out. So I still enjoyed it because it was still that different feeling. I thought it was fascinating. I mean, let's play every open championship at St. Andrews. The fact that like it can go from Thursday where the entire course is brown. I was getting texts from my buddy saying, "Did what happened to St. Andrews? Grass? It looks like garbage <laughs> out there to like, the next morning where it's all completely green because it rained overnight. Like that's nuts yeah. to me that it can just go from completely ground to completely brown to completely green just because of like a few hours of rain. It was awesome. You know, and I too, I think, right. The conditions were like pretty benign, but then like the 2019 championship where I went to, I went to the Sunday round, like my wife and I and my buddy, like we were literally in our rain jackets with our umbrellas up in the stands, like for five to 20 minutes. I didn't even want to look out. Cause as soon as we looked out, we get drenched. And they played, and Shane Lowry shot 15 under that week. So it's like, you know, even when the conditions get hard, these guys can still go low. So I think, Tully, you brought up a question last week about St. Andrews being outdated. I don't mean any ill intent toward this, but I think St. Andrews is. Like, it's just not a course that produces, like, the really, really challenging links golf like we expect because these guys, one, they know it so well, and then golf technology has gotten so good with spin out of the rough and stuff that they can play this course really well. Yeah, but to that point, you know, oh, they're going to shoot low because the golf technology – Tiger won this at two, in 2000. He shot 19 under, and technology's come a long way, and it was 20 under wins at this time. Yeah, like, I think it's just another aspect uh, kind of adding to why St. Andrews is a spectacle. It's a beautiful course to watch. It's nice to not see them hit driver off every damn tee, but it certainly isn't a course that's withstanding either modern technology or even the modern golfer, which I would consider Tiger kind of being the first modern golfer. But I think that make, that's what makes it fun. Like, we had holes 9, 10, 12, and 18. We're all, all play as drivable par fours at one point this week. Um, especially in clutch, clutch time, like we saw Cam start off his birdie streak on 10, which is a drivable par four. We knew everyone coming in was probably going to at least birdie 18 because it was you could just hit a driver up there either in front or over the green. It's That just makes for fun golf and exciting for the viewers. I agree, and I brought this up to you when we were at four score, Ben, that like, wh how do you feel about the idea of 
some of those drivable par fours, you have the players play up and you make an additional par three. So you lower the um, the course uh, par to 70 instead of 72, and you still get those same rolls and all that kind of stuff. They're just playing it as a par three instead of a par four. How do, how do you guys feel about that idea? Yeah, I don't think that thought – that thought is not lost on me, but I don't think that they'll do it just because of the kind of the history at St. Andrews. But you're right, like a 200 – but, I mean, it was really funny. One of those 330-yard par fours was almost playing lower scoring than 180-yard par three, and it's like – Wow, so maybe they just maybe there's some minor changes to the green complexes and stuff that just need to you know they need to make it St Andrews just to make it a little bit more challenging. I think it's more likely like we've seen for some of the U.S. Open or PGA Championship courses where they take one of those par fives and make it a par four, either five or fourteen, which were both gettable this weekend. They just make one of those a par four rather than make a three hundred and thirty yard par four a par three. But I mean, I think I'm I'm just imagining there's already tee boxes out there that are for you know amateurs or women or whatever you know the various tee boxes and how they do them there that. There's already a tee box there that's 240 yards. They could make that a par three. All especially in Lynx Golf, these guys can all get there and get it on or you know, around the green. Yeah, that's my favorite comment is actually that the hardest hole in the course, right, is the road hole number 17. And I think someone asked Brandle, like, why is this hole always so hard every year? He says, because it's a par five that places a par four, right? It's a 500-yard par four that has a tight fairway that going forward in two, if you don't have enough spin on your bar, you're going to end up on the road. So, you know, Telly, I think I, I think I like the idea. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I think they're a little too stuck in their ways. But to see them mix up St. Andrews a little bit, I would like to see it. All right, let's get to some of these outfits from this past weekend. We got to see a lot. I mean, these guys are kind of major championship stages, right? These brands know this is when people are watching their guys. We saw a lot of guys flaunting some pretty crazy stuff. Colin, let's walk through some of them. Let's talk about our champion, Cam Smith, rocking the Penguin all weekend. I think they really stood out. We saw Thursday the navy and gold pullover uh, quarter zip hoodie from Cam. Boo. What, you didn't like it? What was I didn't wrong care with for, it? I just didn't really care for that one. I liked the op, the nod to like the open, the, those colors, but I thought the, the hoodie was meh. Okay, well, I thought for the elements, that really stood out um, almost as much as JT's outfit on Thursday. Uh, can we talk about what was wrong with that? We have uh, most people liked it. Everyone over the age of 40 plus Eric, <laughs> Tyler, and uh, Tully didn't no, I like liked, it. No, I liked the outfit. Thank you. I liked that one. I just didn't like the hoodie from Cam. So what was wrong with it? The pants? The pants have you hooked up here? I don't, I don't need to see his ankle meet when he's out there playing. It's like his pants are too tight around He doesn't have a ton of ankle meat like the rest I of us here. I don't need to see it. <laughs> they were attached medium. I'll give that. <laughs> like, I think I like the concept of the joggers. Like, they're kind of new. They're kind of innovative. I like the ones that EVR wears. But uh, I would say the only comment about JT's they were just a little tight it felt like I'm not a huge fan of like Zalatoris's tight ass pants like I don't know I'm just not but I think when you when you bring the ankle up then you make the pants tight you're right it looks a little weird but I'm all for the progression of fashion and I like the jogger listen the joggers they allow you to show off the shoes JT was rocking those sick black foot joys that day with the shiny toe caps they were unbelievable I'm sorry, do we have to wear baggy khakis like we're going to church in 1996 when we're out there playing in the wind? Like, how annoying is that? I will say, you, you mentioned the shoes. That was actually the only part of the JT's outfit I wasn't a big fan of because I wish the shoes had a little bit more going on with them than just like a straight black shoe. You get it, you say a shiny you know, toe cap or whatever, but I don't know. Those those are what ruined the outfit for me, and I wouldn't even say it ruined it. Did you guys see uh, Jay Billis playing at the American Century Championship? Making and the good, good, Grant. The good, good guys, they're there, and yeah, Jay Billis, he's like, he's like, we got socks older than you guys as he proceeds to hit, and he goes, looks at Grant, he goes, all oh, those joggers, they look nice. My yeah. wife has a pair. They look good on her, too. And Grant's like, oh, really? You're going to compare me to your wife? That was That's essentially what's happening here. Colin defending the joggers and us saying that they're like women's fans. <laughs> well, we also had Jay Lindbergh showing off their collaboration with Robbie Williams this week. Their boy Vic played unbelievable. I thought he had a great chance to win. Obviously, coming into Sunday, he had a four-shot lead right there with Rory. 
that like maroon and dark blue look all weekend. I thought it was great. Yeah, Ben, how did you feel about how uh, Vic played? Just kind of segue in there. You, di- you didn't have much confidence going into the Open for him. I would say that I commented that I didn't think this was a tournament that Vic would even make the cut, but he played great. I mean, he's ball strike the course, right? Which I think everyone on the top of that leaderboard outside of maybe Cam Smith's putter, everyone up there was just yeah, a ball striker. But uh, as far as Victor's outfits are, like I like Lindenberg. I like the stuff that they're doing, um, but I think that their colors can be a bit abrupt sometimes. Like I'm all for loud, but it seems like they pair like a shirt that's mostly white with some very dark colors. And I think sometimes the lines just don't really sing to me, but uh, I think that what they're doing, it's, it's very Scandinavian, but I like it. Yeah, agreed. And I think on Saturday it was like, I think those colors they're trying to pull in were on the pullover that Vic was supposed to wear, but he didn't wear it all day. So it was basically just wearing a white shirt all day long and it was very plain. I didn't like it. But then bringing it back to our champion Cam, uh, can we talk Saturday about how like shirt was horrible? He's bringing oh come on, come on! All right, let's go there. Go ahead, I'll back you he's up here, hundred percent. He's got that penguin, <laughs> that bunker shirt on Saturday. That Saturday shirt is Navy so good. blue, teal, and like a dark gold. It was so sick. I think that that dark gold, burnt orange kind of like color palette is not used enough. I think it's a color that is like it can tie to literally everything if you make it like your key accent color. And that shirt. So complex. I mean, that would be like three thousand dollars a day in flashes. Easily, it looked like something that you, know, you get thrown down the stairs. For that day and you go in. Yeah, what I was gonna say was on Sunday, Cam is clearly rocking this like dark pink shirt, penguin shirt. Has anyone noticed that this year, or like even into last year, he always wears that dark pink, white or gray pants. Like that's becoming his Sunday tiger red. He's look. tiger light. And I wish more golfers would do that, especially like those that are on the top tier level that are going to be competing every Sunday. Pick a color, pick a design, pick something that's going to stand out every Sunday. You know you're getting it. But like, isn't there just like a limit of how many different colors like you could really have? Sure, like, but who do we have other than Tiger I, Red? I, I understand and, there's only the one. Ricky but, Orange. Yeah, Ricky, yeah Orange. Ricky Orange, who's kind of fallen off. But Didn't like, uh, Patrick Reed try the red there for a while? Yeah, now he's at live. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, Reed also tried like royal blue for a while. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's either it's either a shirt, a design, a color palette. You're right. I just don't see it enough. And it's like, it's, it's really so nice to like be able to see a color and know that that's like who that is or have a general, I mean... I think like even even Scotty, I'd love to see Scotty do that. Like pick a pick a color and go with it, even if it's not going to have any pattern on it. Just not green if you're putting, right, Todd? <laughs> yeah, green green shirts can't putt. That's yeah, like I wear. know Scotty wears like the Tiger Woods shirts all week long. Why can't we get him like some custom burnt orange Nike design that he'll wear every Sunday? Why I mean, not? Even 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 Scotty's shoes, right? Scotty's shoes are even become iconic, right? That TW on the bottom of his of his cleats. It's really just him and. I think like Cam Champ, right? But it's just these things that make you iconic. I mean, when these guys start thinking about their brand, pick a color, pick something that makes you stand out on Sunday. Yep. Okay, let's uh, let's field some of our Instagram questions. Our buddy Jeff wants to know if we think Tiger is finished. And Jeff, I think we're going to talk about your question. Like, do we think Tiger will ever win again? I think that's kind of where we stand. I'll, I'll start it out. I do not think he's finished. I think we're going to see a lot of these struggle moments, but it, it just feels like at some point Tiger's going to capture some little piece of magic and, and win another one more major. I don't think he's catching Jack anymore. I think that's kind of out of the window. But I think there's going to be at one tournament somewhere that he just somehow you know miracle wins. I bet that's going to be a cold take around this table. I can see Tyler, you know, it, you know, itching to you know come at me here. No, I'm not. I'm not coming at you. I, I just unfortunately think that he is. I think he's done. Uh, it, it's just the mindset that I think he has now, where he's just more of a. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to take part in the history. I don't think he has that winning attitude anymore. Nothing would make me happier than to me and Tyler sit here and say Tiger's never going to win again, and then for him to just rattle him off. Oh, win five. I would. I want I would, him to. Nothing <laughs> would make me happier, but I do think that there's, 
this is the first time we've seen Tiger come back from injury where it really just seems like he's never going to be the same. Like, I think his back thing, he managed to work around it, but this leg thing really seems to be plaguing him. And then, you know, as you get older, it's just statistically proven that, like, your putter will tend to digress. And that was Tiger's big thing, right? He was the best putter, had the best short game. Right now, I think the big thing that's separating Tiger from being just in contention, not to being as great as he was, is he needs to get his short game and putter cleaned up, which surprises me because throughout his injury, I'm sure that's all he he was doing, right? So there's something there, and that's what really I'm tentative to think Tiger may ever win again. I think it's going to take something to kick him back into gear. Maybe it's being in contention on Sunday at, I don't know if he's going to play anything other than majors at this point, but just being in contention on Sunday at a tournament, maybe even being a captain at a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup and just getting that kind of fire back in him that's going to really push him towards winning again. I think, I think he'll do it. Why not? I think we need to get Charlie on tour. That's going to be the there fire. Go. He's going to see Charlie on tour, and he's like, no, this is how Dad used to do it, and Tiger's <laughs> going to go out there, shoot 25 under, and then Charlie will take the reins from there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just, again, you know, a little bit optimistic on it. I think because you know this guy literally was at risk of losing a leg last year, so like him, him coming back and playing at all this year was a big stretch, and the fact that he did it was something. So I just like to believe that as he gets more time on that leg, he'll get more used to it, get more accustomed to it, and figure out how to... Not, he's never going to hit the ball and perform like he did previously, but it, like he's going to kind of figure out how to hit the shots he needs to hit with a little more consistency. Well, I think there's definitely an evolution to Tiger's game, you're right, that needs to take place because... He's not going to be able to put in so much practice as he used to. He's not doing, you know, five-mile run, playing 18, playing basketball, hitting lunch, playing nine, chipping. He's not going to have that time anymore. So he's got to, you're right, he's got to learn how to play the game with a different aspect because he's still doing that, going at the pin and being aggressive, and then his short game just can't stand up because his back won't let him go out and chip for four hours anymore. All right, so then from Josh, uh, is there an asterisk next to Cam's win this week because the conditions were so benign at St. Andrews? No chance. They're all playing in the same conditions. He went out there. He had the fire under him. He went for it. You see him on the back nine going six under. I mean, how, how can you take that away from him? I think in the terms of it being a major championship, you're right. Nothing gets taken away from it. But it being an open championship, I think there's a little asterisk in my mind to saying Cam's an open championship winner and he's good at links golf, right? I think that this, I'm treating it just as a major. It's not as an open, right? If you go out like Shane Lowry and win an open when it's raining and pouring, like you are considered a good links player. I'm still, the verdict's still out for me in Cam because... I did not see Cam hit one bad drive. Maybe maybe he's turned a leaf, but he hit the driver really well all week, and that's not something he normally does. So for me, open Cam, not yet validated. Major champion Cam, absolutely. I think if Cam had like a five-shot lead going into the final round and just like held on to win it, maybe I would think differently. But he came from four shots back, and he did everything he needed to do to win on Sunday, whereas the guys who had a four-shot lead, Vic and Rory, they didn't do enough. They could have gone out there and made more, way more birdies than they did. They were playing in easy conditions, too, and they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, I, I'm definitely got to be on the side of this 100% counts. You know, it, it is, like Tyler said, everyone's playing in the same conditions. You, you had people that, you know, were complaining about the pin placement, so they were too hard. They were, you know, it was, I didn't like how it was because it was, uh, you know, XYZ, you know, specifically Matt Fitzpatrick here. But like Tyler said, everyone was out there playing it. Everybody had the opportunity. Rory had a day where he shot, you know, six under, eight under, whatever it was. So, like, it was it was out there. Anyone could have done it. And just because it wasn't rainy, it was faster and firmer than we've ever seen the course play. So, it was still very much so Lynx golf, just 
faster Lynx golf rather than wet and windy Lynx golf. Yep, I agree. And then on the similar topic of Cam Smith, we saw Stuart Sink kind of steal an Open Championship from Tom Watson back in, I think it was like 2009. Do you think that this kind of goes down as like, does Rory become the all-time great player that Tom Watson was, especially like in the Open? And then does this go down as like Cam kind of stealing one from one of the all-time greats? I don't think it was stolen at all. I don't think Rory did enough to even win it. Um, you, I, we keep talking about it. It's like, you got to go after it to win this thing. So I don't, I don't think you can even, I think it's a slight to Cam to think he stole it from anybody. It's like, he definitely earned it. Whereas the other guys lost it. It wasn't stolen from them. They just lost it. I would have to say it's too early to tell. So, I, I mean, for all we know, Cam's going to go on and win five, six more majors. And then it's like, okay, you can't really say this legend stole it from another legend. You know, no offense to Stuart Sink, but you know, he's no Tom Watson. He's no Rory McIlroy, anything like that. So I, I think it really, it's Cam's what? I think he's 28. So he's got a lot of golf left to play, a lot of opportunities to win more majors. I think it'll, it'll time will tell on that. But I do think this can go down as something that Rory, you know, he didn't, he didn't do enough. Like Tyler said, that there is, you know, he could have done a lot more. He has the ability to show it all week that he could go lower. That That's only a kind of like asterisk I think you'll see. Yeah, I agree. I think the year sink one, I mean, that was unbelievable what tom watson did that year if he would have won that would have been probably the all-time story in golf so i don't think comparing what tom watson did that year to what rory's doing this year who's arguably still in well within his prime uh is comparable yeah, I think on the meter of of all time, yep, it, it wouldn't nearly have been as good as Tom Watson's win. I think there's something to be said. I think I agree with you, Paul. I think there's some comparison to be made there, but I agree with Tully that like it's just a verdict still out on Cam, right? If Cam turns out to be this ten major stud that he potentially could be, if we're including players, kind of thing, I don't think it at all will go down as him kind of stealing one from Rory. All right, and then other news from this past week, right? The Barracuda Championship, Ches Reeve taking that one down. Gotta love seeing those alternate scoring events, right? Uh, the the Stableford scoring. I got to watch some of this tournament. I think Chez finished with something in the 30s, uh, 30 points-wise, but it's three points for a birdie, so Chez really probably didn't finish more than maybe 10 under par. I was watching the course. It's kind of a course that uh, it really was pretty penal off the tee, and the greens were pretty firm. I mean, I tell you one thing I saw is it's it's always interesting to watch a guy pick his ball up in a professional golf tournament because double bogey or worse is minus three. <laughs> so a guy's got a 10-footer for double bogey, doesn't even putt, he just moves on to the next hole. I think, Ben, you were the one who told me that Ches Reeve is like the straightest ball hitter on PGA, on the PGA Tour. So it was kind of cool to see him win. I've, I've, I've picked him before in DraftKings just because I always keep that in the back of my mind that he hits it the straightest out of any PGA Tour player just because you told me that. But it was good to see him win this week. I guess he'll qualify for some majors next year because of this. So good for him. He doesn't yep. get the Masters, but I think he gets the other three. Yep. He's always a guy I like to watch op- uh, out for at the Phoenix Open, too. He always plays well there for some reason. And then the women had a two-ball event this week, kind of like, you know, alternate shot, best ball. Uh, Jennifer Cupcho and Lizette Salas shoot, you know, 28 under. Like, pretty Ooh. great golf. Um, lots of really big powerhouse teams there. Some that struggled. Lexi Thompson didn't make the cut with Brittany Altamare, two Solheim Cup studs. Lexi's been playing great golf. And then the Corda sisters kind of turn it on on the weekend, but finish somewhere in the middle of the leaderboard. And then the other big news from this week, the big players, we got to play in our first scramble of the year. Me, Tully, Tyler, Colin couldn't make it, but Kenny Blunpot was our fourth. Uh, links to Gettysburg, the course really was in great condition. Playing the white tees is always like so much more fun than it is playing like the you know the tees between the whites and the tips that we usually play. Lots of short par fours. Tyler, Tully, you guys played great. What do you think about the scramble? See, that, that's funny when you say Tully and I played great because I do think we actually played pretty good between the two of us. I don't know if we ever used a single one of our drives. You talk about playing the white or the blues, whatever tee it is. We're going to use your drive no matter what tee box we're playing from, which to me is great. 
takes the pressure off me. I just go hit one out there, put it in play, let you go out there and whack one, and it's a lot of fun to come out there and hit a nine iron or shorter into pretty much every hole. Yeah, I really wish somehow I could capture my mental headspace when I'm playing a scramble when I'm just playing my own ball because you do just swing so freely. Because, like I said, I think Tyler and I probably played the best golf I think I've seen us play all year in terms of just striking the ball. Obviously, we have no idea what we would have shot individually, but I do know I had three personal birdies all by my lonesome, so I, nice. I, was, I was pretty proud of myself. It's because you were in good company. You were yeah. nice and loose. I had like 17 fireball shots from courtesy of Tyler. It is so funny because when I finish a scramble, I've literally, like I think the scramble we played there last year, we shot 18 under. I think having dub there as like a safety net is a nice thing to have, but I never finish a scramble and feel like I played well. I think it's because I set my expectations so high. But we're in like a 200-yard part three, and I'm pissed if I don't hit it inside like 15 feet because then we don't have a good birdie opportunity but if i'm playing my own ball and i'm on the fringe or just off the green i'm like oh i can get up and down from there yeah i think that was our thing this week we putted okay but i mean when we were talking about being 100 yards and in we weren't getting many opportunities where we just had uh, just a tap in yeah we were never tight we we had to we had to put a little you know cam smith like we wanted to to win we had to really be rolling them in there from 15 feet if we were gonna actually make a run at anything that's not a great sign if you're the best putter in the <laughs> on the podcast uh and you couldn't make any putts that's not great well here's but. kenny's here's kenny's stick and i'll defend him here is that he always went first right and going first is tough you gotta the reads are tough like especially after we're drinking a little bit we're like all right two cups left and then it goes left like you know we can't help that so ken's often our guinea pig but he made a couple for himself yeah kenny one putt lived up to his name i think he had three or four you know solo one putts there leading us off the first long one he made when he just kind of like slowly turns around and has his smirk <laughs> on his was face so happy. like somebody's you know. back <laughs> he was so happy yeah we did get I won't say we got screwed or anything, but it was kind of tough. Like, we started directly on the back nines. We started on 10, kind of went out. So, you kind of, in your first couple holes of scramble, you're kind of getting used to it. You, you know, maybe takes, you know, you're getting, maybe get a couple pars early on. So, we got, we shot, I think, a 30 on the, our front nine, the, but the back nine. And then we shot a 27 on the, the front nine, our back nine, and the tiebreaker had to be the back nine instead of the front nine. I was like, damn it. We did get screwed because we played really good on that, our back nine, the front yeah, nine. And the, with that, too, we got caught in an early rain shower, too. So we were playing in a little bit of rain on our second hole. So we kind of saw the, the clouds rolling in. So we were thinking about that. Maybe we weren't as focused as we needed to be. But then when we got to our back nine, the real front nine, it was beautiful out, and that's when we were really going for it. It's talking about as soon as it rained, we played the part three at the next hole. I hit like a punch seven iron trying to keep some of the spin off because it was a back pin sitting up on a shelf. This thing hits easily 15 feet past the shelf and still spun all the way back oh, to the front. that was so was defeating. We, lose by, we lost by two shots, so it wouldn't have mattered much. 1,700 is a pretty good score out there. Uh, but we, we'll be looking to replace Ken here uh, next year. Yeah, he did say he, he will. <laughs> well, how, how did you say that so casually? It's like maybe his schedule will be whoa, casual. Whoa, whoa. Guys play great, but see you, Ken. Not Ben's, making the cut next Ben's year. Ben's defense, Ken is quoted as saying, I will happily be first alternate in the future. So Ben was in his Nah, that's there. BS. I was busting your balls, Kenny. I think Ken Ken had a lot of fun. Honestly, Ken's biggest thing was that he just didn't want his driver all day. And we're like, Ken, it's a scramble. You just got to send that driver. The first time I saw him walk to the T-Bucks with a 3 I said, no, put, put it back. <laughs> like, go grab your driver and just let it eat. I tried to explain to him when I picked him up to head up there. That was like, the goal is we don't use any of our drives at any point in time. We just use Ben's, but... He, he wanted to contribute more, and I respect that. Great. Well, that wraps up this week. We'll be back in a second to talk about the tournaments coming up this week.
All right, let's talk about the men first this week. The 3M Open up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, TPC Twin Cities. A cool course. I mean, any of these TPC courses, you always kind of got to look out for. Uh, Colin mentioned lots of water on this course, but uh, who are we looking at this week, and uh, what are we looking for this week? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of those classic, you know, tournament after a major hangover where there's not – it's not a great field. There's a, It's a lot of people that I feel like are just looking to either lock up a tour card or try to sneak into the FedEx Cup playoffs because there's only, I think, three tournaments so left. I mean, we do have some notable names. You got Finau and Hideki is probably like the the two big ones there. But I mean, you got Ricky's in there, Jason Day, uh, Ches Reevy, who just won last week at the Barracuda. Sahith, he's not a Sahith podcast, but maybe this is this is the week. Who knows? Um, well, we but, know it's a Bombers course. Cameron Champ won there, so yeah. watch out for Sahith. It, I mean, we do have seven previous winners um, that are in the field, but it is from tournaments. Again, the Barracuda, the Puerto Rico, the John Deere, Shriners, Children's Open, you know, there aren't necessarily those super strong fields. That's all time. That's not just this year. That That's what's seven previous winners in the field from this year. From this year. That's pretty impressive, yeah, actually. Yeah, but, it, I mean, Hideki's one who has two wins or yep. whatever. And like I said, it's not... It's not overwhelmingly exciting, but there are some names. I thought you were going to say seven wins all time. I'd be like, we are really scraping the barrel here. <laughs> no, that's the John Deere. It's different. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I think you're going to really just be looking for people trying to, to get some extra points here going into the end of the season. Yeah, you should see a lot of aggressive golf, right? So it's just like kind of like last week with Stableford scoring. This week, these guys are kind of going for broke. You're right. You got this. You got the event in Detroit, and then you got the Wyndham. And those are the last three events to kind of get you into the top 125 to get you into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So these guys aren't looking to, to you know, notch their top 20s. If they want to make a move, they got to start winning or come in top five. Yeah, I think this we're only going to see like the big, big names, I think maybe once more before. I think that'll be next week if I was to guess. So, Tyler, how about this? So, we got Cam Young and Cam Smith from last week. We got Cameron Champ, the defending champ. We also had Cameron Tringali play well last week. He's in the field this week. And then who are you looking at this week? Oh, this week you got to go Cam Davis. The, <laughs> the Australians are hot. The cams are hotter. It's like it's got to be Cam Davis. He's going to come out here. He's going to go stupid low. Probably not two putt every hole like some other guys <laughs> that haven't been able to close out tournaments. I I have to go Cam Davis here. I mean, just just ride the name. Notable, notable. I think I didn't he, know. He finished in six last week. I didn't know a cam on the tour five years ago. Now I know like six, and I also know two cams from Australia. <laughs> this yeah, Cam how, Davis. How kid. are there two from Australia? I know. This Cam it's Davis a kid. Name. He um he is he is really talented. Actually, he he won the 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 Detroit event coming up next week. He won that last year in a playoff against Joaquin. I mean, this kid he has something special. Uh, we just got to see if he can kind of put it together for is four it his rounds. Name? Is it his it's name maybe it's special? the cam. It's the cam that makes him starts good. with the name. Cool, and then for the LPGA Tour, they head across to France this week for the Evian Championship. Like we said, the fourth of their five majors this year. Uh, Minji Lee, the defending champion, but we got a lot of women playing some really good golf right now. I swear, like women's golf right now is amazing. These women are playing unbelievable golf. Getting to see it at the KPMG Women's Open and seeing, you know, uh, Minji Lee come in second, and then Lexi and all these players play so well. Uh, we got a lot of hot players coming into this week. Colin, who are the ones that you're looking at? Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to start off with Dub's girl, Nellie Corda. I mean, she shot 61 last sun, last Saturday at the um, Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. Uh, she seems to be rounding back into her world number one form after taking some time off. So I'm definitely looking at her this week. Um, Leona McGuire shot a 10 under 61 on Sunday at this course last year to bring herself up into the top 10. Uh, she's she's up there on the rankings Look out for her, Irish woman. She's been playing some great golf lately. Also, the ladies' European tour uh, star, Lynn Grant, 
Uh, remember that name? She is not a she's not a well known name on the LPGA tour, but she did win the Scandinavian Mix this year. Um, and this tournament in the past has been known to produce some winners that are like breakthrough stars, like breakthrough winners. We, Minji Lee won this last year. She shot seven under on Sunday to come and win the tournament. Since then, she already won the U.S. Open this year. She's top at top of her form. Everyone knows her name now. So look for someone who maybe lesser known on the LPGA tour on the ladies year, uh, circuit to break through and win their first major this weekend. Yeah, I think for Swedish golf, it was pretty much just Annika for like 30, 40 years. And then you kind of had Sagstrom kind of breaking through. Right, but now you got Lynn Grant playing some great golf. you got Lynn Blad from LSU playing some great golf. This Scandinavian golf and Swedish golf in particular is really taking it to the next step. And then I like some of these storylines you're putting together here with Leona being Irish and then Rory kind of just missing out on the Open. I could kind of see maybe that's where the Open, maybe that's where the major championship this month was supposed to go to. Maybe Leona can sneak in there. And then you're right, Nelly kind of like really starting to hit her groove coming off of her blood clot injury i could certainly see her winning and then i also mentioned jennifer cupcho just won last week maybe her second major and then lexi actually plays really well in this tournament we were looking up our favorites for the kpmg women's tournament uh, the pga i looked up like a five or eight year history of lexi because uh her and rory were kind of in the similar boats and she always plays really well at this evian event so i'd love to see lexi kind of break through maybe there's another storyline right it's like her and rory kind of won their last major around the same time rory couldn't get it done maybe lexi can get it done maybe leona can get it done we'll see are there any like camis or anything like that that play on the lpga tour <laughs> that might be able to win this thing because i'm gonna throw some money that way that's a good idea i mean it's worth watching this tournament just to see the views we're playing in the french hamlet of avian mains France. Um, they're competing for a six and a half million dollar purse. Pretty which solid. Is unbelievable for an LPGA event. It's it's going to be a mountainside course, so a lot of us are used to playing those courses with hills up and down up here in um, Western Maryland, Pennsylvania, Southern Pennsylvania, a lot of hills. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, heavily tree lined, very alpine looking, right? And then the fairways, ton of slope. It really is a beautiful course. So I think in other storylines that we're kind of looking forward to this week too is uh you know we've heard about this live offer to to Cam Smith. Would do we think there's any validity there? Do any of us think that Cam Smith? I mean, when you break down the money business side of it, like Cam now he's 28. He's not like a spring chicken. They've offered him what we've heard up to you know nine figures, hundred million dollars plus. Do you think this is something that we should even entertain as a rumor? I'm leaning no, strictly from like the, the, a lot of the rumors. Probably like you would consider is based off. Oh, now he won the Open. He's got a has guaranteed entry into the majors. But the reception that we saw of the live golfers with the RNA and everything, like they weren't being really shown on the broadcast. They were be, like Ian Poulter was booed on the first tee and then shanked it into the. Oh, he almost hit it out of bounds. <laughs> oh, nothing would have so, made me happier. I think that whole how they were received at the Open. I think kind of will turn that away for him, even if it was something he was considering. Obviously, he's got the Australian connection with Greg Norman maybe a little bit, but I don't think we're going to see him go there. Side note, very upset about David Faraday. Yes, interesting interesting move for him, but yeah, I know. And Charles Barkley, come on. Yeah, if Chuck goes, I'm not going to watch. <laughs> I think that's something we didn't talk about was the reception of these live guys at the Open, right? Not only did Faldo and Mickelson not end up going to the championship dinner, Cam Smith wins in in 45 minutes to an hour of post-round coverage. I didn't hear Greg Norman's name mentioned once. He won twice. He is a staple in the history of the Open Championship, and he wasn't mentioned once. Was I mean, asked now to come. All that these guys are in, they're in bad regard right now. Yeah, and like I'm I, watching it like – 
other than DJ, because they were almost forced to show him because he was in contention, you really didn't. They didn't show you any of their shots. Yeah, it's funny because like you're used to all these tournaments like pumping in everything Bryson, and we really didn't see a whole and he lot finished of him top either. ten, kind of right there. Bryson had a heck of a Sunday. He certainly did. But yeah, I'm definitely on the side of I don't think we're going to see Cam Smith move. We'll be very intrigued by uh, by Chuck just because he's a character. If we get Chuck, we'll probably get Shaq over there, which will be a great dynamic. And David Faraday, that hurts because I watching the open, you almost kind of feel like you're just listening to David Faraday all around versus just the occasional tidbits you get on the PGA Tour. There was one comment from Cam that makes me think he might entertain this. Is and when they asked him, he was like, "I'll let my people handle that." That is true. He, that did, is a good he point. did not come out and deny and say, "No, I'm here to stay." He was like, "Oh, I'll let my people handle that." Like, I don't want to answer this. Almost like there are those conversations happening, and he's just waiting for the right offer. That being said, I think he, how that went was, that's a horrible question, as he's sitting there with the Clara Jug next to him. Very so, fair. So I, I think he was like, really, what? you're asking me that now? If I'm holding the Clara Jug, I'm saying, not a chance I'm going to live. Look at me right now. Yeah. But he didn't do that. That's true. I think there's something to be said about the guy, too. He has a Lamborghini parked in his driveway. Something to think about there. Well, I'm interested to know, like, Obviously, so he's accepted through the majors until what twenty twenty seven or something. The next like, like that. ten years, I think. It yeah, is. but are all the I don't know how the live and majors things works. Like, is he are the majors going to let him in regardless for the next ten years? Is that guaranteed? Not always. No, it's not. That, that's what I'm saying. So, that, like, that, would he be willing to risk that by it, going to live next year? It, Probably not. That's what, that's, that's I why I think it's not. I think all the arrows are pointing toward like the antitrust case that cases that. I think these guys were, are going to continue to play in these majors. I really think the majors are going to have a tough time taking a stance to say no. Um, so I don't really know if that's like, I think that's kind of where it's pointing, but um, you're right. It's tr- certainly a risk. I think Cam Smith is out for blood to win at Augusta sometime soon. That was, I believe that was his first major played and he's been in contention so many times there. He's got to win a green jacket sometime within the next five, 10 years. Arguably Augusta would probably be the one that easiest for them to just say, no, you're not allowed. Right. Cause that is just fully invitational sort of situation versus the other ones. Right. No, certainly. I mean, I think they kind of all, yes, I agree. Um, but I mean, also like Augusta's pockets aren't nearly as deep as the RNAs and the USGAs and the PGAs, I would say. Um, but yeah, I guess, but Augusta also like, you know, not the most progressive, uh, entity <laughs> per se. So I don't know if I really see them taking a stance. They want to produce the best product and cam. You're right. In contention this past year, Scotty kind of won it in Jumped a fact out and took the lead right. the last it. year. Yeah. Scott, I mean, Scotty kind of won like, right. Like you said, like in a fashion, like Rory kind of played right. But cam didn't quite have those feet under him. Like he has been playing recently. So I think cam cam goes out and she's 64 on Sunday. Like Rory did. I had Augusta. I think he takes on the title. <laughs> All right, that does it for us this week. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and give our our presenting sponsor, Forecraft Cocktails, a follow as well. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.